move on, I should introduce you to my family. So my family's right here on the screen. Thanks, Ben. There they are. <clears throat> so we've got uh, Leanne there. She's with my wife. She's right next to me. That's me on the other side. And we've got Holly with the black hair and the, her husband Greg on the other side. We've got Tall Jake in the middle and we've got Chelsea and Emily down the bottom. Now, that's taken a few years ago, but uh, Lisa gives you an idea of our personalities. Now, it's amazing to think that it all began here at the next pictures. Uh, Leanne and I are quite young. <clears throat> and even here, yeah, look at us go. That's a nice hairdo. That's a nice hairdo, Leanne. But it really, it, it really all began here at this next picture. That's our wedding photo. Isn't that lovely? That's a lovely dress you've got there, Leanne. And tails. Look at the tails I was wearing. But we're a lot cooler today. Yeah. Actually, Ben, I've got hair. Can you fix that? Excellent. There we go. <clears throat> so let's bring us back to family. That's now you've met the family. I wanted to introduce the scripture into what we're talking about today because I'm just a father having my best shot at being a father and a husband and giving my attention to our family. So the things I'm going to share with you today are really just encouragements of what I've seen and experienced myself. I think it's often sometimes it could even be the same with our faith. Someone could tell us, tell us all about who God is and tell us all about what Jesus does. The best answer you can give there is, well, I can tell you what he's done for me. Because no one can really argue. If you've been to the top of Mount Everest... No one can tell you, A, that you haven't been there. Or when you describe the view, they can't say it's not that. Because you've been there. So your testimony is powerful. So what I share today is purely this. I'm going to show you some things that I do with my family. And I'd imagine there'd be a great number of you would do the same kinds of things or similar. So me talking here today is in no way saying, here's what you're meant to do and, and why aren't you doing it. It's here's what we're meant to do. And let's just be encouraged together. In Proverbs 13.22, it says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Now, we thought and talked last night about, a bit about this word inheritance because I guess people might think in this modern day of financial inheritance, and that's pretty nice to leave if you can leave a great uh, resource for your children and their children to, to live on. That's a good thing. But I've seen money fall away. I've got a friend of mine in, in Adelaide. He's very, very wealthy. Uh, he was 36 years old and, and uh, at 36 years old he just sold his fourth business for $50 million and he seems to have a knack in making businesses and now he's on to his next one, he just couldn't help him. He said, I'm finished with businesses, that lasted for a year and then he's on to his next one. So here's a guy that can have most anything and yet I've seen those financial things drop away. I've seen it change very quickly. I've seen all kinds of things that we have and hold on to. We know that... Um, Earthquakes can adjust houses. We know that all kinds of things that we can't control can take away the things that we think we have. So I think our inheritance to leave long before there's money should be honesty and integrity, the way we live, the way we conduct ourselves. The way you walk down the street and if you walk into a shop and you see a little old lady, um, I love little old ladies, I think they've always got something to say. You can stop and have a chat. I should, you know, it's just a good thing. And you see her reaching up. And she only reaches as far as halfway up the shelves. And she wants that thing that they've put on the top shelf. Why it's there, I don't know. But and what are you going to do? It's, it's teaching your kids, leaving your kids an inheritance where they naturally run up and say, hang on, ma'am, I'll get that for you. It's a small thing, but it helps her out because she needed that item. What does it make her feel like? Valued, appreciated. People love to be appreciated, valued, loved and cared for. And you can't do any of that with money. 
but you can do it with words and gestures. So when someone comes into a job, when they're going for a job and say your grandchild is going for a job and they can remember, I remember seeing my mum and dad and my grandma and grandpa always exampling how I should behave in a job interview and when things go wrong, it's just part of life, you've got to learn how to take it. I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of people over the last five or six years who have learnt, by example, not how to behave and it doesn't get them anywhere. It gets them in fights, it gets them in arrested, it gets them in you know, drug lifestyles or manner of gear because no one's ever taught them what a true inheritance should be. Let me move on to the first of three points that we'll make today. Balance brings fruitfulness. Now, this points to uh, probably what I'll speak about after point three, but if it's okay to do point one, and we'll call it point three eight. If that doesn't really matter to anyone, it just helps my numbering system. I like vineyards, and one day I'll own a vineyard, um, and I grew up on a vineyard, and I worked on a vineyard, and I admire vineyards. I like them. They've got lots of good stories, and there's lots of nice things you can do there. But if you look at balance brings fruitfulness, let's see it in the cycle of a vineyard. If there wasn't autumn, the leaves wouldn't fall. If the leaves didn't fall, you wouldn't end up, end up with lots of dead wood that you would then clearly see how to cut off because the dead wood won't help the fruit at all. So then if there's no spring, the shoots won't come out. And if there's no summer sun to warm and encourage the fruit, there'll be no fruit. So balance brings fruitfulness. Does that make sense? So in my life, I was out of balance. See, in Ecclesiastes 3.1, it says that there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. The Bible knows about this. I was out of balance in my life. I was too busy being a lot of things that I was enjoying. I was too busy being famous in my own head and my own lunchbox. I was having an opportunity to do some things, but I was away from home a lot. I'd come home at night, but I was still at work. Someone once said that I'll call you successful if you look forward to going to work and you look forward to going home. Ah, oh, heck, that's hard. Might be hard. What if you don't like being at home? What if you really love being, oh, really love being at work? Because at work it's easy to be popular, isn't it? No one really knows what you like. You might be the boss. You might be the new guy or the new girl. But it's important to have that balance. And I don't profess to have that right even now. I still work a bit long. You realise I'm saying all this in front of my wife. It'd be a lot easier if she didn't come on this trip. Not really. Because I wouldn't have to say this in front of her. So whatever I say today, I've got to say in front of her. And if she doesn't stand up and say something during the talk, she'll let me know later. So I'm still trying to work this out. Recently, after 10 years of running my own business as a corporate video producer, we lined out my garage because Leanne, bless her heart, was tired of me taking up room that the family needed in the house. So we lined the garage and it's fantastic. I love it out there. So I go to work. It takes me all of about two minutes. I can make it take longer to get to work if I pat the dog. (laughs) Then it can take three. But So I've got the great opportunity to be working at home. So my days are... uh, Apart from when I'm out working with people, I'm driving, actually going to somewhere. The days where I'm working from home, I have the flexibility. Now, I have something, and I feel very blessed, I have something that a lot of people don't have, and that is the flexibility with their time. So my days are often very long. They'll start quite early. I might start 7 or 8 in the morning and finish at 1 or 2 the next morning. But in the middle of that, I've popped in some family things, or I might have just tried to work too hard. Whoops. I just Don't tap your iPad when it's doing something that you asked it to do and then it thinks you want it to do something else. 
because that won't work. So I had, to bring, I had to bring balance into my world. That's the point I'm making. So we can see how the seasons example balance for us. So if we don't balance our lives, especially in the area of family, can we then complain there is no fruitfulness? You can't. How do you get a weed-free garden? You must weed it. You, you must get down on your hands and knees and pull them out. You must work at it. You must turn the soil over. And you must do things. And then you can stand back and look at a garden that is nice to look at. But if you leave it with weeds in it, then you'll have a weedy garden. You can't have both. You can't have the weed-free garden without the work and you must put in the work to get the nice weed-free garden. Point two talks about change. I've heard a lot of people say they're going to change the world. But I say we should change our world. So don't change the world, change your world. Because it's easy to say, I'm going to change the world and get on some great idea. And believe me, some people do. Steve Jobs, what a guy. He changed the world. Now, I don't know much about his personal life. You know, there's a couple of movies you can look at or you can read a few books. You can talk to some people that knew him if you get the chance. But boy, what a guy that actually changed the world in ways that I've got two things up here. I've got an iPhone there. It's not doing anything. I brought it up as a security blanket, I guess. And my iPad. And we've got iTunes and we've got Pixar movies and we've got all that. You just keep going. So some people can change the world. But really, when you think about it, he just started in his garage, changed his world. He thought, I'm going to make a better computer with Steve Wozniak. And off they went. They didn't know what really would happen. They were just confident enough to give it a go. But I'm interested in changing my world. Now, my world, I'll give you an idea of where that is. My world starts where I wake up. That's the start of my world. Leanne, you are my world. See, it's the start of my world. And it extends as far as I do throughout the day. So where do I go? Well, I go the all two minutes to my office. Or, as it will be when I get back, uh, we're going back today and... Tomorrow I'll be having the opportunity to drive out and do four days of video shooting with a whole heap of people. Well, I'm affecting those people. And then I might jump on social media and I might encourage some people. There's a lady on there yesterday, her husband was saying that his wife needed prayer. Whack on a quick quick prayer. That's someone I know. I've known that person for many years. There are some people on social media I don't know. I don't know where they come from. But the people that you know and you can actually have an influence on. Influence is the key word. So your world is where you have influence. I encourage our, our pastor. We have talks about it in our church. And we talk about our postcode. If we can have a big difference in our postcode, that's a good start. If what we do has enough of a big difference and people say, boy, what you've done is so needed in the next postcode, okay, we're happy that this postcode's been catered for, let's do that there. But starting, it's a good starting point. There's plenty of examples of churches that have changed the world and individuals that have changed the world. But if you can get your world right, if everyone focused on changing their world, the world would be changed. Hmm. Like I said before, it's easy to be popular, you know, where people don't know you that well. Everyone's been super nice to me here. I walked in there and Geordie said, hey, was like a coffee? Yes. Turns out he didn't know how to make a coffee, but no. <laughs> he, turns out, he said he didn't know how to make one. Turns out he did. So change your world. So we've talked about balance, bringing fruitfulness, and the importance to work on your world. 
My third point is make change to bring change. So Jesus is the greatest example of this. Jesus left heaven to help us change. So imagine what, before Jesus came, imagine what it was like in heaven. It's pretty, it was fairly good, I'd imagine. It was Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I mean, before even Adam and Eve, before, before, whenever before was, Jesus had a fairly, I mean, it was, it was the place to be. And if you were Jesus in that existence, in that, in that environment, would you, would you think that coming down to earth, being humbled into a little baby, born through a woman and living as a man and doing all those things would be as good as heaven? Well, because he had us in his mind, yes, it was. But still, he had to make a change. He had to alter things to be able to come and help us alter and bring us to a point where we could actually change. So uh, Nick mentioned earlier about the, the situation we had in our home. My daughter Holly, and I rang her up and I said, Holly, do you mind if I talk a little bit about this? Uh, she and I have spoken about it over the years. Holly's now 25. She's married to Greg, and uh, yeah, they're, pretty, they're pretty good folks. They're nice folks. Actually, I'm real proud of them. And yet there was a time where Holly was just feeling a bit... You know how sometimes you just feel, yeah, you know, you're walking along in the day, and it just doesn't work. And she was feeling a bit struggling living at home, I think, and everything mum and dad said was just awkward. And it just wasn't where she wanted to be. So she was a bit grumpy towards us. Grumpy's all right to say. No, downright angry, I reckon. She was just, she didn't feel comfortable being there. And I saw later as I looked into it, she was just a young eaglet looking to spread her wings. What would happen if an eagle laid six eggs and then they all hatched and now you've got seven birds living in the same nest? It's all right for a while. While there's one big bird and six little birds, then they all get a bit bigger. Now we've got one big bird and six medium-sized birds. Now the mother bird's starting to think, I'm either going to have to build onto this nest... Or something's going to have to happen. You see, the eagles weren't born to stay in that nest. The eagles were born to soar and to fly and to go and see other areas and make their own places and make their own nests and lay their own six eggs and have six little eagles. You see, children struggling, thinking, what is that? Oh, it's a wing. Oh, crikey, I've got another one. <laughs> it's part of the process. They don't know how to use it, so they kind of knock into things and they knock things over and they, they don't know what to do with their feet, so they stick them on things when they're meant to be on the ground and they stick them on lounge suites and, and chairs and stuff like that. They don't know what to do with them. They think, oh, I've got these claws and I've got these wings. And then they get a bit bigger and then these wings get jolly big and they get size 14 feet and they do all kinds of stuff. But it's all naturally a part of who they're becoming. And if they don't get it right sometime along the way, as parents, it's less for us to say, why don't you know how to be a good teenager than it is for them just to say, I don't know what I'm doing. Now, I'm not saying let kids do what they want, but someone's got to be the grown-up eagle about this, you know. So I had to make a change. So one day, 
one day uh, Holly had been, was in a bit of a bad mood about stuff and she had taken herself to her bed and she was lying uh, face towards the wall. So you can picture it now, she's on the side of the bed, it's a little single bed on one of those uh, bases and then there's a mattress, two bits, and she's lying back to us, highly honouring position, face to the wall and then we're standing there talking to her in our best eagle language. (laughs) Wasn't making any sense to her. And that's where I snapped and that's what I'm not proud of. In my frustration, in my anger, I've got no time for this. You're not listening to me and I'm famous in my lunchbox. You need to. I grabbed the mattress and in frustration, I just pulled it out. And I still to this day can see Holly, slow motion, airborne, and she fell down and hit the skirting board face first. Well, right about then I decided this eagle was not doing a very good job. And I felt terrible and I still do and always will. It's just one of the things I've chosen to feel bad about because it's one of the worst things I've done to my children. So I decided at that time I had to do something different and I really can't remember a whole lot of what happened after that. Leanne will probably remember better. Don't forget I'm the guy at the basketball who thought the umpire was inviting me to be an umpire because she loved me. She thought I looked like a guy that knew what I was doing, you know. So Leanne will have more details should you require to uh, have more details. But can you get this? Something had to change and I had to be the grown-up eagle about this. So I had to decide what to do to change. And I decided that it was better that I have discussions. One day, Holly was on the computer and she said, Dad, I said, yes. Uh, That was usually how it went. Dad, yes. Um, Can I go around the world with one of my friends? (laughs) Yes, I said, because I knew people all around the world through one means or another. Yes, you can go. Oh, really? Yeah, just get on there and plan the trip. Okay. Never heard another thing about it. (laughs) But she just wanted to know she could. She moved out of home at 17 years of age. She decided that that her wings were ready to spread out and and I kind of felt like she needed to have her space. And off she went. I took her to the supermarket and we went up and down the, the aisles and I said, Bub, why don't you... Put in this trolley whatever you want and that'll be one of Dad's little presents to get you moving. Anyway, we found her most favourite, like it was a a macaroni and flavour, pasta and something, pasta and I don't know what you do with it, but you put that in and what was it called, Leanne? Pasta and sauce. Thank you, Leanne. (laughs) Little packets of pasta and sauce. Now, we both walked up this aisle and we saw them there and then it was one of those almighty double takes. It was kind of like... Because they were 99 cents. <clears throat> I don't know what they were normally, but anything that's 99 cents seems great. So I said, why don't you get a few, bub? Okay, so she put four in there. I said, no, you should get more than that. Anyway, she's going, I reckon we put 30 of them in there. You know, she was moving out of home and these things last for a while. It was, an, it was just a fun experience. It was, I guess it was a way, I'm not saying that you, oh, you've got an awkward child, so give them what they want. But, 
that was something that I'd chosen to do. I told her I'd chosen to do it. I'd said, I'm going to, this is what I want to help you get set up. We want to release you because you have said you want, and she was a pretty responsible kid. Like, we're not talking about someone that just, you know, you have a kid that you, I'm moving out and they don't even know how to lace their shoes. Or they wouldn't know anything. And you're thinking, like, you're going to move out today and back tomorrow. Now, Holly was ready to go. She had it organised. She had left school by then and she had a job thanks to our neighbour. She got a really good job at a hospital. And then she just kind of kept going through her, her jobs from a promotion to promotion. She was a level-headed girl. So we weren't just thinking, oh, beauty, that fixes this problem. So it was just some of the things I started to do. I started to try to bring balance where I started to try to be for my family rather than just absent, not involved, and then pulling mattresses out from under them when I had to get involved. So then I had to kind of get a balance. And there are times, I mean, we had one of our daughters ring us up two nights ago, <clears throat> Emily, and she wanted to go out somewhere with a friend and we said no. She then brought back an interesting response in SMS form with emoticons. <laughs> <coughs> so Leanne responded with emoticons and then get told, Mum, don't. You're not cool. Don't you love it? Yeah. Emily's a dear girl and, and I rang her. See, we didn't just, this is, I guess this is the change I made, was that it wasn't just no emoticon, 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 an extra message, one more emoticon, but I thought I'd better ring her up. I rang her. I said, hey, bub, are you okay with that? Tell us what you're thinking. Tell us what She said, no, it's okay, Dad. I knew you'd say that anyway, but I just thought I'd ask. My other daughter is leading worship in our church this morning, first time on her own. And she was with me two years ago here and the year before singing. So I rang her, messaged her, rang her, just, are you going okay? You got everything sorted. She rang me the other day, Dad, uh, our worship pastor, uh, he's asking me for the keys of the song. What do I do? I said, okay. And this is where, again, one of the changes. I was taught to, when the important things come up, put down your pen from what you're doing, don't just get unbusy for a minute and give time to what's important, all right? So I put my work aside, and I had a bit to do at that time, put my work aside and I said, okay, let's get on the phone. Oh, we are. Okay, we're on the phone. Put the work aside and I'll tell you what to do. Took her to a website, told her the process, here's what you do, here's how you do it, you sing this, how do you feel about that? Is that a bit higher? Took her all that and I said, do you feel like you've got it now? She said, yep, Dad, I'm fine. Thanks, see you, bye. You know, engage signal. And then a bit later, she rang me back. Something else she didn't know how to do. Put down what I'm doing, give the time. So I guess, in a way, I'm, I'm trying to work through just telling you that that was the change I made. I had to make my life far more about them than it was about me. My dad, who passed away in 2003, taught me something that I'll always remember. A simple thing. He said, your need is greater than mine. And he lived that, you know. There were times he might have been a little bit too in favour of the kids and you know, try to balance that. So I, I've got a couple of pictures that I'd like to show you. I'll get out of the way. Of little things that I did. Now, I had a seizure back a while. I couldn't drive. I couldn't uh, drive a car for 11 months. So I'd go everywhere on the bus. So I decided one night I'd take Leanne out to dinner on the bus. That was good fun. And then I decided to take the girls out as well on the bus because I found that worked well with Leanne. 
So I said, come on, girls, I'm going to take you out. So we went out for a ride on the bus. And this next one, here's an interesting picture. So I've got a fitness tracker on my wrist. So I decided I want to send a message to Holly that I loved her and I was thinking of her. So I went to our local oval and I set it running and I walked around and around and around the oval for a bold outline. Then I walked into the middle and walked the shape of a H. Because I knew what would happen and that is that once that walk had finished, she'd get a message because we share each other's exercise results. And she'd get just that picture with a letter H. She was so touched and she wrote some stuff on Facebook to her friends about it, about how much it meant to her and that's why I did it. I just wanted to send a little message. My son played basketball. So Jake, who's all very much taller than me, I was kneeling then actually, I just... I decided that I would take every Wednesday night out of my schedule, which sounds, oh, aren't you a hero? When you consider that I wasn't, that Wednesday nights weren't free, that I was doing other stuff, I specifically wrote that out because I could have done other gear, I could have done other work, I could have been busy, I could have been doing what was interesting to me. I've worked hard all day, I want to put my feet up and I want to do this. But I decided every Wednesday I'd go down, I'd be the scorer for the team. Now, I don't know anything about basketball, really. I know a little bit more now. But my dilemma was that I had the distance glasses and then I had to have these glasses for close-up. And so the whole time, I'm kind of... It was a bit awkward. But through the season, they went through that season and they won the grand final and they got a glass. And I got a glass too. They gave me a glass, the, the, the uh, place where you play the basketball, because I was the most consistent scorer. Because most of these clubs don't get a score. Uh, have you got any score tonight? Oh, no. Uh, we'll have to get one of the players to do it. But I was there every week. And what I'd do is I'd go around and I would give shake hands greetings to every player on the team. Just got to know them and loved them to bits and I'd hear about their woes and their happinesses and all that kind of gear. So Jake started another basketball team. And that's our Sunday night team, which plays, thanks, Ben, that plays on Sunday night. Now, these are some of those people. We've got... Holly's here in the zero, Chelsea's in the five, and Jake's up the back second from the left there. So you've got that. But all the other people are part of Jake's team. Jake brought them together and he brought them into a social mixed team on Sunday nights, brought in the girls, and we have an absolute ball. And we get we got at our grand final the largest social C-grade mixed crowd in record. We got 35 people there and the other team had one. We felt pretty bad. But all these kids, what we've done now is that every second uh, Monday night we have family tea. Every fourth Monday night, how's that work? Once a month we have extended family tea and they all come and they love it. This guy, number 14, and the guy over here with his, I don't know what he's doing with his hands or his face, but after they'd been, they wrote on Facebook how they'd had the most fantastic time and they were so excited to be honorary Malcolms. They just love it. They've got their own families. That's fine. But we've just decided to make family super important. And so these guys all want to be part of it, which I just love. I had the opportunity to sing with Chelsea. That was actually that was not two years ago. It was three years ago. That was in the Greensboro building. Yep. There's Chelsea singing. Now, that meant a lot to me because I know what's important to Chelsea. So I wanted to make sure that I got the chance to do that with her. 
but let her lead the way. Let, let her go out and fly a bit and I'd just be there to catch her if her flapping wings didn't work. And Emily said, Dad, can we go fishing? So I got my very best hat and off we went. We didn't catch a fish. I haven't caught a fish since I was 12. And that was the only fish I ever caught. But we had fun. And I must say, we don't, we don't do that every weekend, but it was just something that we did. But it was a difference. It was a... <coughs> excuse me. It was, I guess it's just examples of the change I made. So I had to go from being out of balance, giving everything just to what I was interested in. I mean, when, Chelsea, when Holly and Jake were young, we were living in Geelong... And I was having a great time. I was off. I went and ministered in, in 92 churches in 18 months. I was just going all the time. Totally, and I'm going three weeks up to the Sunshine Coast. Oh, I'll be over in America for three weeks. I was having a ball. Leanne was just left at home to raise our children. But, oh, it's just not right. So that's how I had to bring balance. I had to bring change. I had to make change so I could bring change. You know what I mean? Now, I'll bring you back to the struggles that we had. You know, I told you about how thing, Holly moved out of home, all that kind of gear. You've already seen she's in the basketball team. But the most beautiful thing happened. We had our, we felt awkward about, you know, it was just not really harmonious at home. And I remember Leanne thinking, if we could just get Holly to 16, then at least, you know, we've got her, got her nearly all the way there. We could see no end in sight. We could see that situation never being harmonious or anything again. But you know, when Holly got married, who did she ask to be her bridesmaid? Leanne. Right there, on the right. So you know, when you're seeing those times in your life and when you've got unrest, trust God. We've seen people who have been prayed for for 20 years, for situations to improve, and you just keep praying why keep praying? <clears throat> because, like I said to you before, I can't tell you everything about who God is and what he does, but I can tell you what he's done for me. And I've seen how he brings change. But he didn't bring change. I didn't just keep pulling mattresses out. I've gone out. I've taken my ute, which I had to sell recently. <laughs> How sad. My 1974 HQ Kingswood ute. I loved it. Three on the tree and that's about all I know. I did change the radiator cap. I was going to do it up. I bought a radiator cap and a book on how to fix it up and that's all I did. <clears throat> but I loved it. I'd sit in it and smell the vinyl. <laughs> but Holly would ring me up. She'd say, Dad, Dad, I've bought a table on eBay for 99 cents. A table. Can you come and get it with me? Off we'd go in the ute and we'd pick up these tables and she'd take them down to her church for their cafe they were setting up. It was the most eclectic bunch of tables you'd ever seen. And, uh, but it was fantastic. Those were the fun things. We just took time out, do what's important. So look at the people in your world. Your world starts at home. Here's a, uh, I don't even know what time it is. I suppose it's that much. I'll finish in a tick. Is that right? <clears throat> Have you ever driven down the road and you see a car that annoys you? This is a little story that a friend of mine tells, and I just wanted to make a real point real quick. You've seen, have you ever yelled at a car in front of you? I have. Have you ever told them how good a driver you are? <clears throat> and been prepared to instruct them from your driver's seat? Then awkwardly you pull up at the traffic light next to them and you realise there's a person in that car. They don't look too bad at all. Actually, I mean, they look like a reasonable kind of person. 
So you've been yelling at this car, but inside the car is someone. You see, if when that person gets out of that car and locks it, it becomes fairly immobile. It doesn't do anything. The car does not do any of those things. And the person comes back to the car and the car springs to life. You see, it's all about what that person, who that person is that brings the car to life. So if you think now about this body as a vehicle, it drives us all around, but who are we on the inside? So every person you look at, I look at you. I see your car, vehicle, but do I see you? You see, people's eyes, that's the place to find out who they really are. So when you walk down the shopping mall or the shopping centre, do you see traffic or people? So when you're home, when you come home for a busy day at work, do you see people or just humans that live there? And that's what I'm talking about. Work on seeing who people are and get to know them. Get to know what's important to them. Get to know what they love. Get to know what they love doing. And we were so pleased, when, so excited and honoured when, you know, Leanne got asked to be the bridesmaid. I couldn't be the bridesmaid, so I had to be there in my, own, my normal capacity. There I was, yeah, as the father of the bride in a beautiful old car, nearly broke down on the way. I had an opportunity to uh, write a song for my children. I wanted to put a song together that would be, uh, let them know how much I love them. And kind of bring out a certain point and a certain idea. And I wrote this song for all of them, but this was written and put together, this video put together for the occasion of Holly's 21st birthday. Because we kind of followed a Holly strand today. So that's why I'm sure I love the other children to bits. But just on the Holly strand so you can see where we go. So I'd like to, in a tick, I'll show you this video. Let you just watch it. Uh, it's a song that I put together and I hope you get the idea of the message I'm trying to give to my kids and I'll come back and share one more thing. So thanks, Ben.
So I can honour Holly as one of the strongest, most amazing people I know. And yet we remember them like that, don't we? And I know it's a tough subject because there can be people in all kinds of situations with their families. But is it Cam? Where are you? Was it Cam with the little baby before? Cam? It's all ahead for you. And you have that opportunity to make so much, such a difference for Caleb is that right? and all other children you have and your wife. I'm sorry, I couldn't remember all the names. Sarah. It's the opportunities ahead. And if you're a person in a situation where it's been and things have either been great or they haven't worked out so well, I can't reach out and change all that. But I can just encourage you by my experience. Um, so... 
I wrote the song for Holly, and then Holly and the kids wrote a song for me, which I haven't got kind of all recorded, uh, you know, edited up. But they wrote a song for me, and they sang it back at me at my 50th. But it's what Holly wrote in her card that means that really had the biggest impact on me. Let it read it. Let me read it to you. Dear Dad, Dad, that's her name for me. My my role model and rock. Happy 50th birthday. It feels strange to me to know that you are 50 and that you age at all because you are in my head exactly the same dad, dad, age and all that you have always been. From renewing the terms of our friendship every three years, yeah, I did that, to being my biggest fan in every way, to walking me down the aisle, your consistency and unconditional and unfailing love have given me the most solid foundation to grow, take chances, be brave and become who I am. And I can be secure in the fact that no matter what, my dad will always be there, supporting, loving, catching me if I fall, whatever I need. You have never let me down and that is why I can be so confident in all of the above. I know I am so blessed to have you as my dad. You have done dadding right and an extra mile on top of that. I love you so, so much. Happy birthday, Holly. And that was echoed by... The other children wrote cards like it. Holly just kind of had a way with words. And so that's my encouragement to you today is do your best to do what you can do. So, you know, what Holly's turned out to be, and she's pretty incredible, she has challenges she deals with, she faces them all head on and doesn't let anyone know she is. She doesn't put any of her problems on anybody else. And... She's practice manager now of a major paediatrics um, facility in Adelaide across a number of branches. Chelsea now works for her as a receptionist in her team and she's an amazing girl. So I didn't have a lot to do with that other than just being the best me I could be and realising I had to be a lot about them too and not just about me. And I've found that my greatest reward beyond anything I could ever have imagined from all the other things I was doing is now today telling you this story. So I think we have one final greeting from the family. There they are, giving us all a bit of a wave. That was on my 50th birthday. We went down to visit my mum who lives in that little house down in the background and has got white chairs. So being a good son is part of it too, I guess. <laughs> So that is the end of what I had to say, but, you know, I can think that you'll all have different experiences and what can happen from here is up to you because God is wonderful in as much... Imagine if the world was, like, told what to do by God. So God says, look, it's pretty, pretty sure us Trinity here we know that you don't know what to do so we'll just tell you what to do will that make it easier what would that be like imagine having a party where you turn up imagine having a 50th birthday party like I did and you see everyone there and you say oh I'm so glad you came yeah we had to oh I'm sorry to hear that oh good to see you so glad you came yeah we didn't have much choice what kind of party would that be But I had a party where people came because they wanted to come. Certain people from your church sitting in the front row in that seat and that seat came all the way from here to there because they wanted to be there. 
That tells me a lot. So imagine if God said, okay, we're going to make everyone in the world do exactly what we say. Ever seen iRobot with Will Smith? Will Smith's so cool. All those robots were the same except for one and that kind of was what the movie was about. I don't want to spoil it for you, but imagine if we were lined up like those robots and we did exactly what we were programmed to do. What kind of life would that be like? Yeah, look at you. Look at you. Look at Geordie. He's unusual. I say that lovingly. He's not He's not conforming to any kind of model. He's himself. He's got a nice smile. He can carry off a good cup of coffee. He's got all of his experiences. Look at you here. You've got an arm that's not working properly right now. I hope that gets better soon. And look at uh, this lady here. She's got whatever her experiences are. Got John somewhere. He was around smiling, beaming smile. Everyone's different, aren't they? So when you come to God and when you, yeah, the plan is that we spend eternity with Him, what would it be like if we got to eternity? That's pretty good, isn't it? I don't know, had to come. What an eternity that's going to be. Awkward. So what happens now is up to us because God has given us free will. And I encourage you to use your free will to change your world. If you need to bring balance, bring balance. If you need to stop a couple of things and pick up a couple of things, do it. If you think, oh, but I can't let go of this and I can't let go of that and I can't let go of that, rack up the three or four things you can't let go of and work out the one that is least important and get rid of it. Because it will never be as important as being, in my case, a father to my children. I'm the only person in the whole wide world that can be a father to my children and husband to my wife. So I choose that's the area to be giving the importance. So be encouraged. I hope my stories have encouraged you. You don't have to be like me. You don't have to walk around the oval with your tracker. You don't have to, you know, take the kids out on the bus. You don't have to go and score the basketball. But you know what I'm talking about. You'll know the things you're thinking about. You know what, you know what your family needs. You know what you wish you might have always done. And if you think it's too late, it isn't because you're here. So I'd like us to finish with a prayer and I'm just going to close my eyes and encourage you to do the same. But if you'd like to make a change or difference in your family, if you reckon your family could be better and you reckon that there's something you can do, just stand up where you are. We're all shutting our eyes so we're not looking to look at you and say, oh, look at them. There's no judgment here. I'm not even looking at you. We're just standing together. You'll see I'm standing because I'm still working on this. So I'm just going to pray for you that God will give you ideas and give you clarity. He'll give you things to do, changes you can make. Heavenly Father, thank you that together as we stand, we acknowledge that we have things we can do to change our families and thank you for giving us our families. So we realise we want to do the best we can to give them back to you one day. So I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give each person who is opting to say, I want to make a difference in my family, the, hum- the humility 
to be able to do so. The creativity to come up with ideas and the insightfulness to be able to see what needs to be done, to look and see the person, not the traffic, to see the driver, not the car. And as those little eaglets kind of thrash around, help us to be patient and help us to gently usher them one day to the edge of that nest and when they leave, all we want to do is bring them back. But it's their time. Help us to do now right or pick up the slack where we need to. And I'm completely faith-filled and confident that you, Lord Jesus, can do that because there's nothing that's too hard for you. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you give Simon a hand this morning? <clears throat> Do you know, families are uh, God's.